most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses AJ Jones Yes sir Episode 299 Yes Of Keeping up with the Joneses It is A huge thank you to the members of our show Who make this episode possible Mm-hmm. We're going to start with a weekly catch-up, and boy, do we have a lot to catch up on. A lot of things happened this week. Take it away. You had your one of your best friends from Scotland. My good friend who you're going to meet in about 10 minutes, mm-hmm. Glenn Carter, flew all the way from Scotland to mm-hmm. hang out with me for about 10 days. Yeah. And we'll talk all about that. So lovely. And I think for me, I mean, Glenn's super sweet. And you guys got to like do all your guy stuff, but also he is the dad of three girls. And so he was like real hands on with Sophia Joy when we would have our exhausted moments or she'd need to be kept awake. He was just like on it. Oh yeah. And he knows um, what to do. He knows what to do. So that was, that was a lovely uh, gift as well. I had lunch with Patricia King. She was in town. She was. And uh, we always try and get together when we're in the same city. And so, uh, we made that happen and got to take her to True Food, uh, so that was that was quite fun. You jet set it to Toronto f- overnight. I did. Yes. I mean, was I gone twenty four hours? Just over, I guess, like thirty six hours. Yes, went up for Carol's eightieth birthday party. So she didn't know I was coming. I don't even know if John realized I was coming. Uh, I obviously their PA knew I was coming. Anyway. Uh, got to surprise Thanks, her. <laughs> yeah, got to surprise her and and you know just enjoy the party and then went back to their house and spent some time together. You know, and then got on a plane and flew straight home. Yeah, got home late, uh, slept some, and then got on a plane and flew back home. Let, let's not. I mean, I don't want to overshadow Carol's 80th birthday. Amazing milestone in life. Absolutely incredible. And she doesn't look 80. Nope, and, and she doesn't behave you know 80. behave 80. So. Nope. Glad you got to go. Mm. But you know how sometimes, like, you know, it's typical what happens is people go on a missions trip and they think they're going to go serve them. But there's a, another blessing that comes from going on a trip. And your heart was to go bless Carol, be there. Yes. But inadvertently, I got a blessing in that too. What was your blessing? <clears throat> Rhymes with Hesla. Oh. <laughs> oh, I rented a Tesla. <laughs> You're so funny. You rented, like, a, what? you rented a Tesla I rented a little and came Tesla. home and said what? Yes, I rented a Model 3. Is that what they're called? I think so. The little ones. And I came home and I was like, oh my gosh, babe, I want a Tesla. Because here's what's happened. Like, We need an additional car. We desperately need an additional car. And AJ wants a minivan. We've I, st- done I still a minivan. want a minivan. Shh, hush oh, now. Okay. AJ's always wanted a minivan, but we've had a minivan. Yes. Daddy's always wanted a Tesla Model X. Yes. I mean, we'd have to get something that seats six. Uh, you know what? A Tesla Model X comes in six-seater and seven-seater That's configurations. That's wonderful. Also hugely expensive. <laughs> so whenever we'd pray as a family for a new car, AJ would always specifically ask the Lord for a minivan, and I'd obviously always specifically ask the Lord for a Tesla Model X. Mm. And she would always try and nullify my prayer. But you came home and you said? I would be happy to have a Tesla. You were a little bit more emphatic than I would be I happy to. I really loved the Tesla. It was so comfortable. The seats are like sitting on a marshmallow. They're unbelievable. So, I mean, but driving. But you came home raving. Yeah, driving for a couple hours each day. And usually my back hurts no matter what I'm driving. And it didn't hurt at all. It was just, Folks, it was a wonderful experience. We're one step closer to the Tesla reality because we're now in unity. <laughs> Amen? Oh my gosh, sure. Okay, great. 
<laughs> we went to see the Super Mario movie. Well, you didn't. You stayed home. Me and Glenn took the kids. Yeah. We didn't think Mario Sophia movie. would want to see it. So. We didn't think you would want to see it. No, no, I didn't. It's done over a billion dollars at the movie theater. Mm. And I didn't hate it, but I didn't really enjoy it. I just didn't want to hear, it's me, Mario, <laughs> a million times. I wasn't used to seeing Mario and Luigi in a non-computer game environment. So to see them living in Brooklyn, New York, and mm. I didn't need to see their mom or dad or their creepy uncles. I just wanted them in the world I knew them in. But my kids loved it, and that's what was most important. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> you and I faced some interesting challenges this week. Did we? Well, one in particular. Okay. Which challenge are we referring to? Sleep distance? No, 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 no. The fact that I have soy sauce all over the right <laughs> side of my body from dinner. And I left the sweater on anyway because you can't see it. <laughs> we, we, just, we just come back from a Happy Mother's Day dining out experience. Yeah. We took the kids and AJ. We took AJ and the kids came along mm -hmm. to an Asian fusion restaurant. And <laughs> Somehow. We got home and I'm watching AJ put her hair up and there's just like really bad pit stains. And I'm like, what is under your armpit? It's soy sauce. You must have just draped her. <laughs> I have no idea how this happened. So I'm like, oh, babe, it's soy sauce and ginger. So <laughs> that wasn't the particular challenge we faced. Oh. The particular challenge we faced is as a rite of passage, we took Glenn to the Cracker Barrel for breakfast one morning. We did. I took him to meet my favorite server at my local Cracker Barrel. Yep. And we obviously we took, the kids were at school. We took Sophia Joy out. Mm -hmm. So it's just the four of us, me, yes. you, Glenn, and Sophia Joy. Yeah. And, of course, as usually happens when you take a really cute, adorable baby, everybody comes over and it's like, oh, what a beautiful baby, how old? But more than once... Oh, I know what you're talking about. More than once, they assumed AJ and I were her grandfather and grandmother. <laughs> I and like, I was like... What now? What? <laughs> so tonight I'm going to get some Just for Men and I'm going to get rid uh, of the gray. No, I like the gray. But it made me trim my beard. I think I'm well, going to shave my beard Well, the one lady at the off. door, though, did say, looking at you, she thought we were grandparents. But looking at me, she realizes we're not. <laughs> you just wanted to rub that yeah, in. Yeah, just I'd throw it out there. But then we took Glenn to the Country Music Hall of Fame. No, what was the other one called? The Ryman. The Ryman Auditorium. Mm. And I didn't want to go in because I don't like walking tours. and Or history or, or reading. Yeah. Or, yeah. So <laughs> I sat with a baby and nursed the baby. I didn't nurse the baby. <laughs> sat with the like, baby and fed the, the baby now? with a bottle. <laughs> And again, everybody who came over was just like, oh, she's gorgeous. And not everybody, but a bunch of people said, grandparent or father? And I was like, what the? But at least they asked, or father. We've reached that age, babe. Oh, it's because you're gray, darling. It's you're, It's just because you're gray. If Thank your you. hair was still dark. That's why I'm getting just for men. Your face isn't wrinkly. Like, it's not like you look old. <laughs> Yeah, that was... And you just have beautiful smile lines. That's all you have. <laughs> you so it's cute. not your face is wrinkly. You just have beautiful smile lines. Thanks. Yeah. Probably the thing that overshadows everything. No offense, Carol, for reaching 80, <laughs> 80 oh years. Oh, my gosh. And, hey, I really appreciate you being a mom. But uh, the most significant uh, 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 event was the release <laughs> of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I don't think Carol listens to the podcast, uh, we'll so fine. I think we're safe. Uh, unless somebody <laughs> else Nobody hears tell it, don't her. tell her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The eagerly anticipated. Oh, for years we've been waiting for this game to come out. It's the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yes. Arguably the best game ever made. Ever made. And they released a sequel that came out a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. On the 12th. 
I don't know if this is good parenting or not. Please no, don't tell me. No, it's probably not. So just... <laughs> <laughs> we give the kids the option to have a mental health day and stay home On and play. the Friday. Well, we did make sure that they didn't have any tests they would be missing, et cetera, et cetera. And then we were like... What are we going to write on the note? If you would like to stay home. When they go back to school. Mental health day. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We've all, for like years, been counting down to when MJ's, it's going to come MJ's out. MJ's strong argument was, Dad, I've been waiting half of my lifetime for this game to come out. Now, he's, that's pretty scary, but yeah. It's true. It's, it's true. It's been yeah. six years, and he's what, 12? Uh, he is 10. He's 10. And there you go. There you go. I should know how old my kids are. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, so it, it came out Friday morning. We all got up. We all went upstairs, and you launched the game, which is how we did it the first time. We just, as a family, all sat there. And you launch the game, and we get to learn all this cool stuff uh, together. So, yeah, well, it's we, begun. We're not going to wax lyrical about the whole thing, other than very excited, very happy to have the sequel out. We're all playing it. We're, we're all, all taking turns it. and helping each other. So it's it's quite quite fun. So our main topic today isn't really a topic. It's a person, isn't it? It's a person who talks about a topic. Really, we're talking about friendship. Good. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Love it. So Glenn, who we've already mentioned, who has been with us for about 10 days or was with us for 10 days, who has now headed home to Scotland, is somebody who, I mean, you would be better with with dates and how long you've been friends, but he was the best man at your wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, he and his wife, Anna, every time we've ever gone uh, to Scotland, as far as I'm concerned, like they're, they're so hospitable, they're lovely. I have no idea how they put up with you all those years. It's Especially one of, having heard all the stories, I'm it's like, It's one of wow. those great mysteries. That's what we try and unpack. <laughs> right, right. Because we've talked a lot about friendships and relationships and how some are for life and some are seasonal. Mm -hmm. We're Glenn and I are fast approaching 30 years of friendship. That's amazing. And so I want to sit down with him. I wanted to pick his brain. What, what do you think are the ingredients that have made a relationship that's lasted this long, especially given the challenges that we live in two different time zones, two different countries. Right. And you guys have made it work and stayed Somehow connected and FaceTimed. I can't wait to hear it. I haven't actually heard it yet. Right. But Glenn is, uh, you know, intelligent and kind and, you know, witty, but he's also super con contemplative or contemplative. How do I want to say that? Either way. So it'd be interesting to see if, you know, what he's thought through in terms of, yeah, he is a kind, gentle, happy soul. Yeah. I mean, he really is. He's so lovely. He's very mellow. He was so low maintenance. So and low maintenance. so helpful and so great with the kids and just asking them like insightful questions and they would just light up. I was like, dude. Yeah, he's great with yeah, kids. Yeah, he's so great good. With kids. He also has an incredible testimony of how the Holy Spirit healed his marriage. Oh, I love it. And healing him physically as well. Yeah. And so he, at the end of our interview, he's going to pray for everybody who's listening. So let's roll the interview. Glenn Carter. Hello, Alan. What a treat for me to have you on this podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Alan. This is arguably my oldest friend. And I don't mean like in age, because you're a mere, what, 58? 47. <laughs> I mean in terms of like longest running friend I've ever had. I met you in 1994. Mm-hmm. And I can attest that this is one of the most long-suffering and most patient people. And the reason I can speak on that with authority is I've been probably the instigator <laughs> of the need for you to have patience. <laughs> Tell the good people how we met. Well, I remember we met uh, in Queen Margaret University 
Mm-hmm. You were standing on a wall. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that. Outside uh, our halls of residence, um, and that's where we met. I think I was wearing denim. I remember you. This isn't factual, because when we met, we were landlocked. But the way I like to remember meeting you was you were fresh off the boat from Ireland, <laughs> dressed head to toe in denim, with probably a denim sack of potatoes slung over your shoulder, with a box of Lucky Charms underneath <laughs> your arm. And you were like, top of the morning to you. <laughs> like, I remember you having a very high-pitched voice. And is that, that's tr- I don't know where I got that from, but that's somewhere lodged in my memory. None of that's true, apart from the Ireland bit and the denim bit, probably. So you're from Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. Correct. And we met in Edinburgh, yep. where we studied together. Our, our undergraduate degrees were in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And we lived across, we lived on campus. You called them halls of residence. I don't know what that's we right. call them in America. Halls of residence sounds weird to my ears. Mm-hmm. I lived on one side of, not the quad, but kind of the quad. Mm-hmm. And you lived on the other side. You lived on the ground floor. Yeah. I had a like a, a semi-penthouse uh, apartment. <laughs> I lived on the second floor. And that was our introduction. Why do you find yourself in Franklin, Tennessee? We uh, haven't seen each other in about six years, I think. So um, I thought I'd love to see Alan, and uh, we booked tickets to come over and see you. How is it that your equally long-suffering and incredibly patient wife and three wonderful daughters gave you a pass to come to America unsupervised, under my care, for a week? Well, um, my wife is very patient and long-suffering, but she she and the girls had been to Lanzarote for a week, and... Uh, that's the reason I was able to come to America. I realize that you've been in my life more than you haven't. Is that right? I worked out, and I'm not great at math, but next year we will have known each other for 30 years. And we, AJ and I, have talked on the podcast many times about how friendships, some friendships last a lifetime, some friendships are seasonal, and the friendships that are seasonal, it's not a design flaw, it's not that people aren't good people, it's just those friendships were designed for that season. Our friendship has gone through... We've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the best man at your wedding. You were the best man at my wedding. Uh, we've gone through childbirth. Me and you haven't gone through childbirth. <laughs> Thankfully. We, we watched our wives go through childbirth. But we've had children together. That sounds weird. We have separately, <laughs> in two different continents, had children. We've raised kids. We've gone through heartache. We've gone through sorrow. We've gone mm-hmm. through various degrees of tragedy. We are friends. What do you think the contributing factors are to the longevity of our friendship? Well, I was trying to think about this. I think the fact that we became friends is a bit of a mystery to me because we had nothing in common to start with. And what do you think about that? You and I have been talking about that this week. Mm-hmm. Is I'm realizing that one of the common threads among my really close friendships is on the surface we have nothing in common. Right, yeah. So that, that was just a poignant nod like, oh yeah, we really didn't have anything in common. I don't think we did. Like, Yeah, you were like an unlovable waif, and I was kind of the really cool guy. Kind of like Fonz. And, okay, I can't, I can't use that analogy because I don't know enough about happy days. But really, we weren't, we didn't have anything in common? I don't think so. Al. We, you are a skateboarder. That's true. We wore skateboarding clothes. Yeah. We both like video games, I think. That was about all. That was it. And we were Christians. And we were Christians. Mm. All right, okay. And I think the fact that in Queen Margaret University, there wasn't loads of men around and there was only four or five males in the Christian Union. So that sort of threw us together. But we, we clicked for some reason. And uh, I think we were open and honest with each other. I think that's helped. 
Um, and but that would explain, like we had lots of friends at university that were no longer in relationship with. Again, they didn't do anything wrong. We didn't yeah. do anything wrong. Our lives just took different paths. And and good lord, like our lives took a different path. Like we used to study at the same university, lived in the same house together for many years, lived in the same city, attended the same church, and then I pieced out and went to Canada. Yeah. You would think that would have been a departure, but how has it been maintained for 30 years? I think we managed to dig deeper into our relationship and we were totally open with each other about lots of range of range of subjects and that really helped. And I think when you left, you know, I grieved. When you left for America, I was bereft. And I think that shows the depth of our friendship and, you know, in fact, we're probably closer than brothers. Mm. So I hear you say initially we were bonded in friendship and we had connection. We share a very similar sense of humor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Our relationship has largely been me torturing you and you forgiving me and somehow finding it funny. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then, again, our relationship, like, geographically shifted. Mm-hmm. Any other contributing factors? I think there is something about um, accepting each other for who we were and not wanting to change that, because I accepted you for who you were. And despite my best efforts, you have not changed. <laughs> Correct. That's not true. I'm, I'm hoping people can hear my sense of humor in this. Well, I'm racking my brain too. I'm trying to think of what the contributing factors factors are. Well, we did have to work hard at it, I think. You think so? I think you modeled some really good behaviors to me. When you saw something wasn't quite right, you would ask about it. You know, so you're fiercely honest about things and keen to repair a relationship. And I picked that up and reflected it back to you think i think sometimes yeah see but my memory of that is you were like the way i remember it is you were the person who taught me that really yeah yeah i i mean i don't disagree with you that i am fiercely i, I suppose one of the bits of glue that people will have heard about in in loose terms is shortly after we met almost a year after we met i had a mental health crisis a mental health break quite literally a, yeah. a breakdown and you, your future wife, and the boys that we lived with basically saw me through that. Yeah. And so probably that, maybe, oh my God, maybe it's not friendship, maybe it's a trauma bond. <laughs> 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 but I suppose, I suppose that was major crisis going on. Yeah. And, I mean, my recollection is that it didn't, it didn't freak you out, question mark? No, I, I think... Yeah, we had a solid relationship at that point, I think, which is helpful. And I remember when you were going through that huge trauma, I had none of the skills or tools I, I to help, I think, right. in terms of mental health. But all I did or could do was just to love you and look after you and provide for your practical needs and show you compassion. Yeah, and, which and you go did with really it. well. I don't know if anyone remembers the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. I don't know what uh, diagnosis Jack Nicholson's character had in that movie. But certainly antisocial. Oh, yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't want to draw too many parallels between his character and my character, but certainly some of his social interactions. Y- you did a very good job of being a buffer between me and the people we were in a relationship with. Oh, yeah. So when we went to church, yes. we had to make sure that you, I protected... <laughs> other people from you <laughs> and vice versa. So I, you could see things coming. So, someone who thought it would be a good idea to have a chat with Alan. And um, I thought this is going to go bad. How would it, what, what, what was it that you thought would go bad? 
I thought you would be rude and uninterested in what they had to say. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there was a, I, I don't remember too much about those days. Like I remember it. I remember I was mostly in survival. Yeah. And probably had a way lower boredom threshold than I do oh, today. Yeah. And your tolerance for people being insincere or telling lies or any of that was so low. And in fact, you just call it out all the time. So, that, <laughs> so that's when we had to intervene and move you physically away from them <laughs> or distract. And you had a SWAT team, you know, it was you, yeah. Blue, Rich, and, you know, your future wife, Anna. Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose I forgot about that part of our friendship that that was, that was really cemented in, in crisis. Yeah. But during that time, you know, for me, it was very hard to watch you go through that. But some of those times, for me, certainly, probably not for you, you know, we in our university years were the best of times and the worst of times. Mm -hmm. You know, we had great times in our flat with the boys. And I think we just pushed each other sometimes too far to do ridiculous things. Oh, un undoubtedly. Care to tell any particular <laughs> stories of when well, we pushed each other too far? We heard a we heard a rumor that there was a an underground nuclear bunker under Christophan Hill where we lived from many sources, yeah, and reputable sources. Absolutely. So, so we we all looked at each other and knew where this was headed, and and we would then we investigated. We found it. I wouldn't say we broke in. We sort of gained access. <laughs> we, had to, we had to remove a few things to gain access. But explain what the underground nuclear bunker was, because it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I think it was it was a, a bunker that was built by the government to um, to bring all the elected members underground if there was a threat of nuclear attack from uh, the Soviet Union at that point. I mean, it was huge, enormous. I don't know how many floors it has, but it, it was built. The top was at a hill, and it went all the way down, way subterranean, and then went all the way along and came out another side. With, with all you would need to survive years in yeah. terms of broadcasting food um, that the works. So for us, we thought this was... This is the most obvious way to spend a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> with no, no forethought to, hmm, I wonder if there's like dangerous chemicals or hazardous materials or asbestos or... And, and, no, and no equipment. No equipment. So we had, we had I think we had one um, fading torch to go down this. Flashlight. Yep. Okay, yeah. Which we borrowed from, what was her name, who lived two stories below us? <laughs> and we knocked on the door. Didn't we call Anna and just say, hey, if you yeah, want to hear okay. from us in a couple of hours, <laughs> this is where we've gone, send the police. So we went in and you and I and Rich were terrified. To this day, it was the most terrifying experience of my life because it's, it's completely dark and there is no frame of reference and there's sound everywhere. We later realized that a lot of that sound was raw sewage that we were wading through. And our friend uh, Blue showed no fear at all. None. In fact, we heard a noise and it was him going to the toilet in one of the urinals and we just couldn't... Urinals. <laughs> so we walked down these uh, pitch dark corridors, freaking out. Blue was well ahead of us. Trying to find what's going on with one limsy flashlight for all of us. I don't know how we survived. We could have fallen down three stories or... Oh. Yeah. Uh, top tip, look in the show notes because that underground nuclear bunker was bought by somebody mm. in Scotland mm -hmm. and they're currently restoring it, yeah. renovating and going to turn it into a tourist attraction. But That's we right. were there first. <laughs> it is interesting to me, the depths of pain, trauma, mm -hmm. were matched by the heights of absolute hilarity. So much joy. We didn't have a television. We didn't have iPhones. So 
there was something about the combination of the four of us that brought with it so much energy and, and chaos and chaos and we just egg each other on we'd never have considered those things on our own but together we felt like we could do anything at this period of the podcast i want to blame shift and talk about rich yeah who oh, yeah. was who's arguably the most talented of any of us mm-hmm. and the most extroverted of all of us yep. and probably had the lowest developed prefrontal cortex <laughs> of all of us like the ability to gauge risk just didn't seem to fit with Rich. Yeah, it was just all idea. Let's just go, go, go. Didn't you and Rich have a run-in with armed police? Well, yeah. So because we got on so well, we always had Christmas before we went home for Christmas. So we yeah. gave each other gifts. And this year, Rich and I got these laser guns, laser tag guns. Yeah, laser tag guns. So we decided to go out late at night because they work better at night. I'm running around Christorfen, which I is- should I should mention. Christorfen is a very very wealthy suburb of the city of Edinburgh. Where at that time, the demographic skewed late 60s oh, yeah. and old money. And we are students who have rented an apartment and the four of us live together. And we're probably the only students in that That's apartment. Right. I don't yeah. even know how we afforded it. Mm-hmm. But so, yes, you're out running around this private neighborhood area. We had lots of fun. Rich ran into a wall and then he decided to venture out onto the main street of Chrysorphan, which is better lit. And I turned the corner, was pointing my gun at him. Um, trying to shoot him. He had his gun down for some reason and then I realized he was standing beside this person and I just thought, right, well, I'll still keep shooting. Then I put my gun down and walked towards him. It turns out that um, that person that was standing beside him was a, an armed police officer. Which, in America, all your police officers are armed. In Britain, none of our officers are armed. He That's was right. a plain clothes armed response unit detective who had been sent based on a phone call that the police department received that there was two young men who were armed and running around Kostorfin. And luckily he worked it out very quickly. And uh, yeah, that was embarrassing. He asked us how old we were. We were 19. Yeah. And asked us should we not be doing this somewhere in the forest nearby, which we agreed with. So we just, he was very nice in the end. We just walked home with our tail between our legs. Do you want to tell a story of uh, the straitjacket and going grocery shopping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell her. So Rich, again, the most talented of, all, of us all, he knew how to do magic. He knew how to do escapology. Well, he learned how to do it. And one um, year with his student grant, I think it cost him most of his student grant. Yeah, it was the first thing he bought with his student loan. Which he thought was made perfect sense. Uh, absolute perfect sense. And he said to us, well, strap me in, throw me in my room. Uh, he didn't say throw me, but put me in my room and do not let me out. No matter what I say, do not let me out of the straitjacket. I think it was a few hours later, with lots of bashing around, he came out and asked us, oh, you got to let me out. I'm not sure we did straight away, but eventually we did. I think boredom pushed us to do things that we would never have done before. And and one, it was probably Saturday or Friday, we thought Rich's idea, of course, was to go on the streets of Christophe with a straitjacket on. And well, then it just snowballed, didn't it? it because did, yeah. both Blue and Rich studied some sort of science, so mm-hmm. they had white lab coats. Yeah, and so we thought we'd role play. Is that what <laughs> we it was? So it is so fast. Rich was in a straight jacket, and then you and Blue wore the, white, the white lab jackets. Coats, and then I had a sports coat, and, and a I was and a briefcase. So I was the consultant psychiatric doctor. You've been called out to. It's awful. And it so. That nobody's thinking, what could go wrong with this? And so straight down a busy main street, the main street of Kostorfin, runs Rich screaming at the top of his lungs in a straitjacket yep. with two 
men, wardens running after him with white lab coats flowing in the wind <laughs> as they're chasing him. And Rich throws himself into the local grocery store yeah. onto the ground. And you and Blue pretend to s- subdue him. Mm-hmm. And I run in and pretend to have a syringe with which to sedate him. And then you two drag him out. What we'd failed to realize is we legitimately needed to go to the grocery store. Like, we did need to buy things. So after you and Blue took Rich out, I stayed behind and did some grocery did shopping. Not. I did <laughs> And all the, you know, you, you know, the beep, beep, as they're scanning things, everybody just went silent. At that point, I heard them say, call the police. And I thought, yeah. you know what? We could do our grocery shopping later. <laughs> so we ran home, and it was only when we got home with, you know, in mass hysterics, like, ha, 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 it wasn't that funny we realized that the whole way there and back, Kostorfin had installed closed-circuit television cameras. Oh, yeah. But we never heard anything. We didn't. We saw Rich sprinting down Kostorfin with a straitjacket running like a giraffe. But when we got in, the, the buzzer did go after a few minutes, and we thought, we're doomed. But it was just Rich's girlfriend, I think. So, yeah. yeah, you, Our friendship was tested and forged by pain and by lunacy. Yeah. Are we just chalking it up to mystery? After 30 years, we're still friends? I think there's effort involved. Like, we, we stay in contact. We you do. Know, sometimes it's hard because there's lots going on in our lives, but... Different time zones. But we have consistently, we, we like, will FaceTime, and we always have. Like, before FaceTime, it was Skype. Yeah. Before Skype, it was... Email. Email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, I suppose we have. Or, or phone, yeah. It's, it's, but it, it, take, it does take effort. Yeah. And it takes this solid bond. I think the the university days set down a really solid relationship there. And then when I was married, we continued that on. You know, yeah. I think. Which credit to you guys? You know, you know, like I'm sure everybody's gone through this. That when you're all single, the first one who gets married is the traitor. Yeah. Because you, you basically abandoned me for her. I think you felt that. Oh, I'm, I think everybody goes through that. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, and it gets worse when you have kids as well. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, great. Now you've got kids. Like, what am I, chopped liver? And until you get married, until you have kids, you you don't understand the. I mean, you can intellectually nod at it, but you, you don't understand. And also, for the people who are getting married and the people who are having kids, you're not. It's not that you're not aware that that's happening. It's just the, yeah. the progress of life. But I think, you know, both you and Anna were very, very good at, uh, you know, prioritizing, which still exists today. Like, your wife is fine for you to come and swan over here. Well, yeah, and I think it helped that you were friends with Anna as well for a long time. You know, we both loved you and and wanted to stay connected to that. Yeah. Because it wasn't that she hated you and I was the one who wanted to stay connected. Uh, um, My gosh, before you were even dating, we tortured poor Anna. We did torture. Boy, did we leverage her naivety for our humor. Would that be a fair way of putting it? <laughs> That's fair. I mean, <laughs> we were horrible. She put up with a lot. I mean, lovably horrible. I think so, yeah. Lovably horrible. Yeah. Gosh. All right. Well, I, I think it's beautiful. I'm, I'm very grateful. I wasn't sure what the elements were that have bonded mm-hmm. us. I'm really grateful they have. But one of the things that I've been most grateful for and it's curious to me as I've as I've reflected on it the last couple of days. So much of who I am today and what I value was kickstarted by you. Right, I didn't know that. Right, I thought it would have a bigger impact than just like oh. <laughs> so, for example, an established fact: I am an absolute Apple nerd. Yeah, but you were there before I was. You had you had an Apple laptop way before I ever did. You were you were the person who introduced me to Mac OS X. The operating system that runs on all our Macs. You you had the beta version of it. 
Correct, but you influenced me to get it. Did I? Yeah. I don't remember that part. The first iPod yeah. I ever owned, you bought me. With help of others, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you in, you were the instigator of going, you know what Alan would love for his birthday? Is oh, yeah. The OG, I think it was for Christmas, wasn't it? I think, was it, I think it was Christmas. Okay. The OG 5 gigabyte Firewire iPod. God, I love that thing. It still looks beautiful. You Do you have I it? I still got it. You've yeah. got it. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> video games. Again, you bought me my first Nintendo games console, the mm. N64, yeah. with Mario 64. Let's go one step further. Zelda. You were the person who was, I mean, you played every Zelda game. You, you were there from the beginning. I never had any attention on Zelda. Nope. I remember being at your house in Scotland when Breath of the Wild came out and kind of mocking it and mocking you and like, well, why do you even like this game? <laughs> and then, I don't know, maybe six months later, I called you because I'd got an extra gift voucher and said, hey, I need to buy another game. What do you recommend? And you're like, I think you'd probably like Zelda. You were hesitant. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, obviously, the rest is history. I absolutely love Breath of the Wild. Yep. And, and those might sound superficial, commercial, but, like, so much of what I value and cherish and my hobbies, you know, the origin story is you. Mm. The one that really impacted me, and we, we touched on this earlier, is in terms of friendship, I remember, like, so much of how I approach friendships today started with a conversation you had with me. So we'd been friends. I don't know at what period this was in our friendship. You seem to have a much better memory of the details surrounding this. But I remember you confronting me. It was one of the first confrontations I'd ever had in life. And it was, you know, confrontation and kindness. Mm. But you basically, I remember you meeting me. And everything you told me was news. I didn't know any of this. But you said to me, hey, Alan, we're friends. And yet I don't feel you prioritize our friendship. And I was like, I mean, I trust you. I've got enough history with you Mm. to go, I don't know what that means. Like, okay, you're picking up on something. I have no grid for it. And you're like, so basically I feel like I get sloppy seconds. I get to hang out with you and you've got nothing else to do. That, I mean, that wasn't my worldview. I'm not saying that wasn't what was happening. I was just yeah. unaware of it. And I remember you coming up with not only identifying the problem, but also doing it graciously, but also offering a solution. Because I wouldn't have, first of all, I couldn't understand the problem. Second mm-hmm. of all, I didn't know it was happening. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful. You said, well, why don't we hang out every Thursday night between 7 and 9. And so for years, we had a standing day. And then I had to switch to a Tuesday night. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And we hung out every week. We just prioritized the time. And to this day, I have earmarked times that I hang out with my friends. And that was instigated by you almost 30 years ago. That's amazing. So I owe this huge debt of gratitude to you. Not only, not only, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but in many ways for my life, like, you know, I am alive. I don't want to put all of that on your shoulders because that's a little bit scary. But you you and the boys and Anna, you nursed me back to health. Mm. Really did. Mm-hmm. But also the things I love, the things I'm known for, and the rich rewards I have today of friendship because of you. That's lovely. And when I think about that confrontation, I, I wouldn't have done that lightly. And I, the reason, the only reason I did it, I think, was because I valued your friendship too much to leave it. Mm. go in a certain direction just atrophy yeah you know because i felt psychologically safe to be myself and to say what was on my heart because of our history and our relationship Mm. that allowed me the freedom to say some of those things but i'd watch you demonstrate those skills before with other friendships oh really like yeah you had those skills i i don't know if you remember this i i will be so curious to know your reflection of this i tell this story all the time when i teach on honor it comes in 
And I'm going to talk about confrontation. I don't know if you remember a time that you and Anna sat me down and confronted me. But basically, you and Anna sat me down and confronted me. And I went somewhere along the lines of, like, Alan, we love you. And we really value you. But there's some real ugly parts of – you didn't say it this way. Right? But there's some real ugly parts of your heart that are probably getting in the way. You're really caustic. You're really haughty. You're really arrogant. And I remember the whole time thinking, oh, my gosh, these people, they're just so adorable. And I remember giving you the great Christian, thank you. I will pray about that. And in my head, I'm like, these jerks, like, what do they know? And I just totally blew you off. Wow. Do you remember that? I do not remember that. Oh, no. So I remember you confronted me. And it was when you lived in that old house at the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was around that era. And then I don't know if you remember, but I went and worked for the worst boss in the world, right. TM. Right. And I think maybe within two, three months of working for him, I remember coming back and repenting to you now. Wow. Because I think the Lord sent you guys as the kind messengers. <laughs> and I ignored the kind messengers. <laughs> and so the Lord in his mercy sent the hard messenger, which was working with this ogre of a man <laughs> who basically ground me into pulp. And I remember oh. I remember being in tears coming back to you guys, repenting, saying you tried to tell me and I couldn't see it. Like I just did not have ears to hear what you were saying. And now working with this man, this man is everything you told me I was and worse, I can see myself in him. Like, do you remember that? Do you remember oh, me coming yeah, back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you remember that. Yeah. I wasn't a figment of my imagination. <laughs> but that was like a sobering, because around that time I learned that principle about, you know, humble yourself. Like the instruction yeah. in the word is to humble yourself. Mm. So you either fall upon the rock and humble yourself, or the rock falls upon you and he humbles you. Spoiler alert, it's much better if you humble yourself <laughs> than demand that God humbles you. Thoughts on the, you know, Nintendo, Apple, you know, friendship, like that was all you, and we see the fruit of that from our friendship 30 years later. My reflection on that is I, I actually felt more influenced by you than I felt I influenced you. Hmm. If if I think about my formative years, clearly I had a, a very loving upbringing, but my student years were totally formative. I learned so much about myself, about my values, about who I am. And you do that through interacting with other people and picking up about what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. And although you were broken and dark at times. Yeah, I, seriously demonized. Yeah. Although I wouldn't have known that at that time. No, no. I wouldn't have had language to, to describe that. But there was, there was lots of good as well that I was picking up on that I, I grabbed a hold of and thought, no, this is important. And uh, that idea of being open and honest with your friends and feeling safe enough to do that. I'd ne- never really experienced that before because previously I would have worried about, would this end the friendship? Mm. You know, so um, it was definitely both ways. I think some of the values that you're describing that you witnessed in my life I tend to think of those values I've discovered in the last five, ten years, not ones that existed back then. Like, for example, like speaking truth as an act of love. I thought those were skills I developed later in life. Are you saying that you witnessed them back then? I witnessed them way back, but it's the love part that I wonder was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you definitely had those skills, Al. And you weren't scared to use them but it was the motivation and the love that I think was absent that made it wow. not work. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the other things that we have in common is our deep love and affection for the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Mm-hmm. And we came to realize that the Holy Spirit was, was working in our lives 
to a far larger degree than either one of us knew about the other person's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, now now we can look back and realize, oh yeah, of course. But at the time, there was a couple of different dynamics going on. I would love you to share one of the most powerful testimonies I think I've heard of the Holy Spirit's interaction with you, your marriage, and what it did. Can you yeah. tell that story? Of course. So I got married in 1998 to Anna. You know, we were friends well before we started going out, which was lovely. We had a great relationship. But when when it became a bit more serious, I was exhibiting really significant insecurities and I, I didn't think of myself very well. You know, my self-esteem was, was low. So we got married in 1998 and for a year and a half, we were miserable, absolutely miserable. And I'm miserable because... Uh, my insecurities, my low self-esteem, and 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 core to that was me feeling that Anna didn't really love me. Right. Even though she demonstrated it again and again, she'd married me, she committed to it. She married me at a time when our relationship wasn't good as well, because God told her to. And so how that came across in my behavior was I would accuse her of not loving me, accuse her of loving other people more than me, I was not overtly angry, but I was silently angry. And that's the thing that killed her inside, I think, and damaged her. So I would distance myself from her for a period of time. And I could see the damage that was having on her, and that made me feel worse about myself. So I was in this awful cycle. And I, we prayed about it. We knew it was a problem. I knew it was a problem. I could see the damage it was having on our relationship. And we were on a very rocky ground because this was not a relationship that would peace and joy and intimacy mm. because of this. And and because I had been accusing her, I was no longer safe, right? I was um, a threat and she would withdraw. Uh, and she carried that for for a long time. And at the same time, I had really bad eczema and was really suffering with that. And so it was all, it was quite a lot of hard times. And I remember, for some reason, you couldn't come along, Alan, but you said, look, there's a there's a healing service in the church. Do you want to go along to this church? It sounds like it might be good. And I've been brought up uh, in quite a conservative church, you know, full of Christ-like people who love God, who love the the word, but... That that idea of asking for healing or being prayed for healing wasn't a thing that happened. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, the reason I suggested it was it was people from Toronto. I can't remember why you suge- you you just said it was a healing service. Okay. I didn't I didn't know that at the All time. Right. Yeah. I seem to the way I remember it is right. I, I'm beginning to do my journey and I've discovered the Toronto blessing and I've heard that there are itinerant ministers from Toronto there. Mm-hmm. So whether I kept that piece of information back from me, I have no idea. But that's how I remember it. Yeah. But you'd been quite quiet about your experience up to that point. I had, yeah. Because I was trying to work out if I was deceived or not. Okay. And I thought, if I'm deceived, I'm not taking anybody else with me. Gotcha. <laughs> but apparently not deceived enough not to recommend these people. Exactly. But. So um, I remember traveling to this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the only reason I went was because I thought, right, I trust Alan. And also, um, I'm desperate. That's the only reason I went. I'm desperate for God to do something. I also went along praying, Lord, if this isn't from you, you need to protect me because mm-hmm. there was fear yeah, about this. The bogeyman might get you. Totally. Didn't know what was going to come up against. You hear stories, you hear abuse, you know, all sorts of things that I thought, right, we need to be careful. 
So we walked into quite a small church. What put my fears at ease slightly was I saw a church that was filled from people of all different backgrounds, lots of diversity, and I felt I could sense God's presence, I think, as I walked in. So that uh, calmed me down a bit. So the, the service was fine. Um, it was not what I was expect. It was not what I was used to. Uh, but at the end, they said, right, if anyone would like to come for prayer, come for prayer. So uh, I thought, well, well, I've come this far. I might as well go up. Again, driven by <laughs> desperation. It's the only reason I would have turned around. It's a great motive here. <laughs> I walked out. So I, I remember this old man. Um, he seemed old. He was probably, I don't know if he's our age now. Well. <laughs> That's rather revelation. But continue. <laughs> really lovely. And, you know, the... It's hard to describe him, but it was the the aroma of Christ was there, right? Mm. He was also eating Smarties, right? Totally relaxed. He was popping sweets in his mouth. So very kind. I was stood in front of him and he said, what can I pray for? And I described my eczema. I didn't bring up the relationship with Anna. I said, look, my eczema is really bad. He asked me how long has it been bad for? And I described, he said, has anything happened at that point to make it worse? I mentioned a breakup of a previous relationship. This was a long time ago. And he prayed about both those things, right? Both those things, the previous relationship and your eczema. Yes. That's what he prayed for. <clears throat> yeah. Correct. And then he said, right, I'm going to pray that God fills you up, right? Um, I had my hands firmly in my pocket. And he said very kindly, you know, take your hands out. God's going to give you a gift. Is Anna up at the front with you? So she, uh, I can remember her, she was... I think she'd already been prayed for. She was over at the side. So she was watching mm -hmm. from a, a small distance. Okay. Yeah. So I had my hands out and um, I'd seen other people fall over. And in my heart, I was determined not to fall over. Right. Right. I was like, why would Absolutely. I want to? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Where's it, that in the Bible? Exactly. <laughs> so I felt myself sway a little bit and thought, right. I had my eyes closed at the time. And I thought, right. No, I'm still not, not going to fall over. The second from last time, I had to take a big step back to stop myself falling over. Right? And he smiled and said, look, there's someone behind you. It's fine if you, you know, if you want to fall over. So again, I was faced with a decision. I could have resisted it. But and you're not sure what the it is at that I point. wasn't sure what the it was. Is it peer pressure? Is the person pushing me? Exactly. Is it a thing to conform? Did yeah. it ever occur to you that it might be the spirit of God moving on you? Yes, I think it did. <laughs> it never occurred it to me. You were streets ahead. Well... I'd seen other people fall over. I just didn't want, you're right. I didn't want to follow, fall over for no reason. Right. He wasn't pushing me. His hand was so gentle in my head. I knew that wasn't the thing, right? Oh, yeah. And he, and I think this is important. I needed to um, submit to what was happening. Yield. I felt. Yeah. yeah. So I did. And I fell over, right? On the ground. This is, you know, my rational head. I think this is ridiculous. You've fallen over. Falling over. Someone caught me. Obviously. And in your rational mind, you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. He put his hand on my chest and I had this sense of this, I don't know if it was my spirit or some, something was going on in, inside me. And, and what happened was I started crying and I cried and cried and cried and cried. And this, this chap went over to Anna. He um, brought her over and said, stay with him. God's doing something amazing in his life, which was Huge understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so I cried for, I, th I don't know how long. Could have been 15 minutes, could have been 10 minutes. But it was a long time. Mm -hmm. Stood up, dabbed my eyes, and we walked out of the church. I was like, this, that was weird. 
right. and I was like, that was weird. And I felt just as I had felt before, I think. I, was, I felt tired right. from <laughs> crying. <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> it so went to bed that night, totally normal. And I woke up the next day. And, and the only way I can describe it is I woke up on fire. You know, I felt like I was on fire in a good way. Describe that. Like physically you felt like you were on fire, like you could feel a burning sensation? I felt so full of something. It was burning. It was, uh, and, and power, or I'm not sure how to describe it. I felt, I felt full. Mm. But there was fruit, you know, I felt full of joy. I felt full of peace and I felt full of love, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and as, as Anna described it, she was a better observer. She said she woke up to a new husband. No, still Glenn, the best version of Glenn, I suppose. And I, I think, you know, when I think about it and reflect, the, the thing that had changed was the, the knowledge that God loved me. And, you know, I've been brought up in a Christian home, became a Christian very young, but that knowledge moved from my head straight into my heart and that changed everything. So I was secure in the knowledge and the heart knowledge that God loved me, secure in Anna's love for me and secure in the fact that, I am enough. You know, I, yeah. God created me to be. That's all who I need to be. And the difference that Anna noticed and I noticed was the insecurities had just gone totally away. Insecurities had gone. Um, self-esteem wasn't a problem. I was totally renewed. And um, all these New Testament type stuff started happening to me. Right. Well, you can't just tease us with all those <laughs> New Testament type stuff. So what New Testament type stuff started so, happening? I suppose dreams and visions and the desire to pray for healing, the desire to tell people about Jesus, they were real. And, you know, I'd read them hundreds of times in the Bible, and all of a sudden I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Mm. This is actually happening. And my faith shot up, you know, yeah. that this is real. And the one word that actually Jack Deere uses very well in that, you know, his book about surprise by the power of the Spirit, I was surprised by... Uh, the power of God. And I was surprised that he would heal me. And I was surprised at how much he loved me. Mm-hmm. And that changed my life. And that was, you know, almost 30 years ago. No, 25 years ago. don't know if you're comfortable talking about this. But it also came with some interesting side effects that w- we had merciless fun with. Mm. Can you talk about that? So I suppose this is important because... This stuff didn't happen to Anna, right? She went for prayer. It didn't happen to her, which is fine, you know. But she was observing me going through this, and there was she was a little bit freaked out by it because it, I, I was sort of like a different person, and there was supernatural things happening. You know, the falling over was weird. The, you know, when now I was, for some reason, sensitive to God's spirit, and I would react physically. Talk to me about that. <laughs> I don't know. I can't actually remember that much. I would shake sometimes when it was God's spirit when I was praying. I would shake a lot. Yeah. So God's God's spirit was interacting with my body. That. But you would shake. you would also have predictable manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So my head would look up. You would look up all the time, like whoa. You know, I don't remember. You did make noises, very suppressed noises. I don't. I don't remember the noises. Oh, you would make. Was it? All right. Okay. Well, it was mostly looking up, and you'd be like, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> we would have so much fun because whenever the Holy Spirit was present, Glenn was just like a firecracker. You would just off you would go. 
And that wasn't learned behavior. There was nobody in our church culture who was doing any of that. And why would I want to do why that? Why would you? Well, that would happen at work. You know, as you're a yeah. professional working in a hospital, you'd be walking down the hallway, and would you think about God, and then it would happen, or it would just happen, and then you'd think about God. It would just happen. It would just happen. And and I think what's important is, you know, all this amazing stuff was happening in my heart, and the fruit of that, I wasn't going to ask God to take it away. You know, it was like God, you stop this. I wasn't. I just wasn't going to ask it. Right. But it exists to this day. Yeah, I really like the fact I'm sensitive to God's spirit and, you know, I don't know what happens, but I physically respond to when God's about. I mean, I've noticed that you've been, you know, because I've been friends for nearly 30 years, I recognize your manifestations. Like every time we talk about the Lord, you you know, you have these twitches. Yeah, and, and recently my kids become more aware of it and I'm like, kids, I'm not going to ask God to stop this. This is, right. if this is part of the package, this is fine. Yeah. But what I do remember, it, when um, a few nights after that, that healing occurred, I was in bed late at night, and God was calling me into the other room, right, come and spend time with me. And to my shame, I was like, I'm really tired. But I went. All been there. Yeah, and um, so I went and said, God, basically, what is it? This sounds ridiculous, because I, I was, this was happening in my head. You know, I could, right. he, I felt that God was speaking to me. That doesn't happen to me very much, but I did feel at that point. He, he said, Glenn, you've got the gift of tongues. And we had a discussion where I said I didn't have the gift of tongues. And he would say, Not me and you, you and no, him. Me and God was having this discussion. He would say, you've got the gift. And I saying, well, clearly I don't. And this is where, again, I, I needed to take a step of obedience and submit to him and acknowledge that, you know, God's saying I've got it. You know, I've got it. So I was like, well, what, what do I need to do? And I was aware there was a word in my head or a word in my mouth or something was, was ready to come out. So I realized I needed to take that step. Um, and I just said the word. And as soon as I said it, again, it was under my control. I spoke it out and then all lots more words came out, flooding out. And I was saying lots of stuff in tongues and singing tongues and that was weird that was so that. weird and we were talking about that this this week i don't think you ever told me you could speak in tongues really yeah i don't think yeah. i ever knew that oh you did i did oh yeah you definitely did i did yeah oh we, we went on car rides and you would talk about it yeah Dude, man, my memory. <laughs> terrible i don't i just don't remember that part of the story so again i i was eagerly desiring more of god i wasn't eagerly desiring the gift of tongues no it's good to eagerly desire those spiritual gifts, but it, tongues wasn't the one I was searching for. Right. But that, you know, that I again accepted it and that was weird for me and it was weird for Anna, but she kept going back to the fruit of this is amazing. Yeah, I've got a new husband. Yeah, I'm, this is, this is of God. I love that, Glenn. I'm wondering if you pray for our audience for any number of things, but at, at the very least, if there's people listening who have been struggling with the thing that you're talking about, you know, the fear, anxiety, not knowing that you're loved or mm. knowing that God loves you but not living as if that's true mm. for more of the Holy Spirit. If there's people who are listening and have always wanted to speak in tongues but it's felt like a mystery, mm. I wonder if you just pray for our audience. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, of course. Take it away. Father God, I thank you uh, for this time to talk about your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, I know that the, the hard times can come when we're waiting for you, where we have to wait patiently for you, where we have to be brave and courageous and wait for you. 
And Lord, I pray for the people listening, for those people who have been through um, and are going through really hard times where they don't feel you close to them. Lord, we know you are there. But Lord, I just pray that you would draw close to the people listening and watching, that you would um, touch their hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good God, you are a faithful God, that you are all-powerful, and yet there's a mystery to this, Lord. You, you give your gifts freely, and uh, you give to one person something and to another something else. But I just pray that nothing would get in the way of your, your will for these people, that you would touch them in Jesus' name. And above all, Lord, I pray that those listening would um, know that you love them, that you love them more than they can possibly imagine. So, Lord, I pray your hand would be upon them, that you'd heal them, and that our hearts and our hands would be open to your uh, gifts and your spirit. Pour it out, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been here for five days now? I thought it would be fun to play a little game. Great. You don't know anything about this game. <laughs> no, I don't. And I don't have a blindfold. Can I trust you to keep your eyes closed? Totally. Promise? Mm -hmm. No peeking? No peeking. I have collected a bunch of classic American snacks. And we're going to put your Irish palate to the test. Is that right? And to see whether you like them or not, and see if you can describe them. See if you can describe what they are. Yeah, okay. To our audience. Now, I appreciate that our members can watch this because they have video access and you're being filmed right now in glorious 4K. But for our audio <laughs> listeners, you're going to have to describe what's going on. Happy to play this game? Happy to play. I don't think there's a better display of your trust and confidence in me. <laughs> you're going to let me totally. feed you food stuff, in inverted commas, with your eyes closed. So the first one of these guys, I'm going to open them up. And again, for our listeners at home, you're going to be describing what's happening. There you go. Put your hand in. Don't let it bite you. Okay. You want me to describe this and... I want you to eat it and describe it. What it and Maybe like. just try and guess what it might be. Okay, I'm putting my hand in the packet. Here it comes. Mm, that's lovely. Lovely? Uh, yeah. Does it remind uh, you of anything from home? It reminds me of like onion rings. I'd have more of them. You would have more of them? You, you can finish it. <laughs> okay. Cute, ever, lovely. That was, ladies and gentlemen, Funyuns. <laughs> Onion-flavored rings. Does it remind you of Monster Munch a little bit? Yeah, it does, actually. This next fella is uh, this one here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to open it. I'm just going to tear into it. And then, ooh, maybe, maybe smell that before you do anything. Okay. I smell in the packet. Ooh. That smells. What's your of, first impression? It smells of meat. <laughs> <laughs> well, put your hand in and you know grab some out. <laughs> it's making me cough out. <laughs> what is this? It's better okay. not be disgusting. It no. feels. It feels revolting. This is a staple at gas stations all over America. It feels rubbery. It feels. I'm very suspicious of this. Thoughts, impressions. Um, it does taste meaty. You know, I've never eaten this. Ever. It sounds 
disgusting to me. <laughs> Make me eat and a lot it, of my well. friends love it. It's a classic American road trip snack. It tastes sort of sweetie and of meat, like bacon. But it feels rubbery. I'm not sure I would eat that regularly. It is called beef jerky. Okay, that's revolting. And it's sweet and hot yeah. beef jerky. Yeah. Oh, <coughs> it's hot. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll take this from you so you don't have to suffer anymore. <laughs> Sounds like you could do with a drink. <laughs> yeah. Just so happens. Just so happens we've got this fella here. Now, I did want it on ice, but. Okay, that's fine. Okay, it's open. To describe it. Piece of vanilla. Yeah, get a good gulp. Good couple of gulps in there. Okay, go on again. Oh, wow, that makes me want to be sick. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you like it? No, initially it wasn't too bad, but if you take a big gulp, that's not good. That, my friend, is something called an IBC cream soda. Oh, no, won't be having that again. You won't be having that? Not even on ice? No. All right, well, I've no, got another you. one for you to try, but these bad boys. Now, to be honest, I've only ever seen these advertised. Again, I've never eaten them. Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> God, the smell of the beef jerky is enough to make me pass out. I'm going to open the box for you. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to let you just unwrap that if you can. Okay. Right, it feels warm and squishy. Is that the way it should feel? <laughs> like a little gerbil. All right, now you're opening the package. Yep. Here we go. Big bite. Oh. Does it taste of regret? <laughs> <laughs> it's soft on the outside. It feels something wet in the middle. <laughs> You know, you should go to marketing and sales. <laughs> is there any coconut in that? Oh. There's supposed to be. Yeah, there is. I mean, it tastes like, do you like it? Would you want well, one? it's very sugary. I do like sugar. It feels packed with sugar and bad stuff. But I think it has a shelf life of two world wars. <laughs> Which is a terrible sign. Uh-huh. Okay. This is a classic American combination. Right. That I don't think in Britain we would default to ever having one of these. You could certainly make it happen, but yeah. I'm opening it up. And I'm... Okay, this doesn't come with a wrapper, so you can just eat the whole thing. So you can, there you go, you if... can either bite it in half or you can shove it all in your mouth. I should have checked to see if you had a particular <laughs> nut allergy <laughs> before doing this. Oh, yeah, a taste of peanut. That is the world famous Reese's yeah. peanut butter cup. I'm not really enjoying this song. Do you like peanut butter? No. <clears throat> okay, well, that would explain why. It sounds like you need chocolate. another drink. The chocolate didn't taste great either. Well, it's the curse of America. America mm. just does not have good chocolate at all. All right. We're now going to drink this one. Okay. Take that. It should be served chilled, and it isn't. I apologize. Okay. Big, big, big glug of that. Oh, wow. That taste of medicine, Alan, is that... That, like cough it, medicine. I mean, it is medicinal. It ails it? many, many woes. Does it? No, it's a soft drink. I mean, how would you describe it? I, I've never tasted anything like that apart from in cough syrups. Um, is it ginger? No, this is root beer. Root beer, right? Delicious. Do you love that? Oh, I love it. This is a classic, but with a twist. And I'll tell you why. I don't like the original. But I'm hoping that this one is going to be a little bit better. So this it's is called, enormous. It's called the party size. I'm going to tear into it right now, and I'm going to find one for you. 
So, right, there you go. Thanks. Take a bite of that. Oh, my goodness. Smells like Christmas time, huh? It does, actually. It doesn't taste natural at all. <laughs> There's not a chance that anything on the aisle that I bought this particular produce item from would ever be natural. But what, how would you describe it? Again, not unpleasant. Full of sugar, I think. What's the closest you have back home? Can you identify the flavor? I don't think there is a closest, Alan. I've never tasted anything like this. Can you taste what the flavor is? If you had to tell I, I recognize it, but I can't, I can't verbalize it. I don't know why. It rhymes with lint. Oh, yes. Does it taste like mint? It does a bit, yeah. Does it taste like, in Britain, we have a, we have a, a, a biscuit called a penguin. Yeah. Does it taste like an uncoated mint penguin? It does a bit. And there were Viscount biscuits that were minty. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. These are mint Oreos. Oreos by themselves, oh, disgusting. Yeah? Mint, I'd give it a go. All right, lastly, this was a cult favorite when I was a boy. I would pay a fortune to anyone who's going to Harrods in England, in London, <laughs> to bring these home. Because right. you couldn't get them readily available. They're everywhere in America. Okay. All right, it is the... It says it's the original, and it's made in the USA. Now, the trouble is, there's 30 flavors to choose from. Oh, wow. And kind of what I want to do is I want to find you my favorite. So, if you'll give me a second, I'm just going to create a little bit of a mess on here. All right. I'm giving you three items that are the same flavor. Right. I want you to just pop them in your mouth, chew them up. First of all, identify what they are, and then tell me what the flavor is. Right, they're chewy, they're small, they've got like a sugar coating. But if you went to a store, what would you ask for? Not these. <laughs> but if you wanted to buy them for somebody, what would they? What would you call them? I don't know. They're not like Skittles. They're... Ladies and gentlemen, they're jelly bellies. They're jelly beans. Are they? Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. They're America's original gourmet jelly bean. Okay. Do you know what flavor you were eating? No idea. If I told you it was toasted marshmallow, oh yeah, would you think it's in the neighborhood? Yeah, definitely. How about a nice glass of um, cream soda to wash out the flavor? I'm actually feeling a bit sick now. All right, you can open your eyes. You did good. Did I? Yeah. So after going on a a palate cleanse trip around America, what was your favorite? The jelly beans, I think. Really? Yeah. What was your least favorite? The jerky. If you had to live on one of them for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Well, the jerky's probably got more nutritional value than the jelly beans. Just the waft of the stench. I would have gone Funyuns. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have lived long, Al. <laughs> you have a professional career. But you also have a budding side moonlighting job. Yeah. It's not a crime-fighting superhero. Wish. You're the author of some children's books. Yeah. I Talk to us about your children's books and explain to you why... Your lifelong friend of over 30 years doesn't even get a name check in any of the books. I just want to be a villain in one of them. The next one, Alan. That's a deal. I'll okay. do, I'm doing one more. That's perfect. Alan with a Y. Alan with a Y. All right. You want to be a villain? Yeah. Or maybe a hero. I'll, I'll leave it to your conscience okay, to be pick. a villain. How did that come about? Well, interestingly, it was a very long time ago, probably eight, nine years ago. Yeah. I had a dream when I was staying in my... Uh, mother and father-in-law's house. I woke up and thought that was amazing. So I wrote for a few hours afterwards. And that started me on the journey of a book that I was writing for my kids just as a, to show them a bit of love and, and give them a present one Christmas. But then it 
grew arms and legs and I kept going and uh, published it. That did take a long time though because I didn't know how to write a kid's book and I would get so far and a, an editor would say, hang on, you need to do it totally different. So I was trying to build from the roof down sometimes. Ah. Yeah. So you wrote the first one, an award-winning novel for 10 to 12-year-olds? Is that yeah, what it's Yeah, so nine, 9 to 12, 9, nine to 13-year-olds. Yeah. Right. Pu- make up your mind. What is it? 9 to 12, 9 to 13. 9 to 13. It's a spy thriller? It is, yeah. It's like if you think, imagine Mission Impossible, but in a kid's book. I think it's just because I'm a frustrated spy, wannabe spy. Yeah. And so I could just live it out that way. Uh, perfect. And But you just published the sequel. Yeah, I published a sequel recently. Um, it's called Mission Midnight. Uh, I th- actually think it's better than the first. That only took me two years. The first one took me six years. So The next uh, one should take six months. <laughs> no, it'll probably take me two years. But um, I want to write three by the time I'm 50. Three by the time you're 50? Yeah. That's a great goal. Yeah. Well, my, my wife let out a huge sigh when she heard that goal because it's a cost. You know, writing is a solitary um, occupation and I need to spend quite a lot of hours in the study on my own so all right well i'll put a link in the show notes to both those books can we get them internationally yeah come on look at that glenn thanks so much not only for decades of friendship but also for coming out and having a blast with me this week i have done my best to fatten you up to send you back (laughs) you're doing a good job yeah we've eaten some amazing food thank you for you know decades of friendship but also thank you for coming on the podcast and talking a a little bit about friendship and the holy spirit thank you alan I hope you enjoyed the interview and the crazy stories. And if you would like the show notes for this week, head on over to alanandaj.com slash 299 for the show notes. That means next week's episode is the 300th episode. It is. And we're going to do something special. We don't know what, but we're going to do something special. You heard it from the woman <laughs> over here. She gets a Mother's Day and she That's right. goes crazy. That's all it takes. Give me a little sushi and I just, you know, get creative on yeah. you. A huge thank you to our members who've made this show possible. If you'd thank like you. to become a member of the show, if you'd like to watch the video version, which this is a good episode to watch the video version. Is it? Yeah, we do a taste test with Glenn. I, oh, that's I right. All the weird American him foods. I didn't get to blindfold him. I just made him promise to close his eyes. And, okay. Yeah, if you want to watch the video of this episode and get video access to the backlog of our podcast episodes, if you want to get discounts on all of our products, and if you want that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes from supporting a podcast, then go over to alanandaj.com slash join. And we've run out of time for listeners' question this week, but if you would like to ask us a question and get it in the queue, head on over to alanandaj.com slash ask, and we will get to those questions in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for being with us. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone